This is Kate Swoboda, creator of YourCourageousLife.com, director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at TeamCLCC.com, and author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers and at Amazon. The Your Courageous Life podcast is all about going after what you want and creating and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life. Might drop a couple of F-bombs, so maybe don't listen with your kids in the backseat of the car. And here we go with today's episode. Hey, hey, everybody. Today's podcast topic is, do you really want things to change? Like, really? I think this is an important question that we need to start asking ourselves a little bit more often because sometimes we confuse wanting things to change with wanting to be supported in the difficulties I'm facing. The two of these are similar in some ways, but they are different. So just consider this for a moment. Sometimes we confuse wanting things to change and we will tell people we want things to change. But actually what we want is not to change, but rather to be supported with the difficulty that we're facing. So here's how the two can be similar, but a little bit different. When you want something to change, like you truly do want something to change, you're receptive to a new way of doing things as well as being receptive to periods of discomfort, receptive as in you are open. You are open to a new way of doing things as well as being open to periods of discomfort as things are changing. That is the price of when you actually really want something to change. You take in feedback, you consider it carefully, you try out things that you previously would have discounted or that initially feel all wrong. These are tricky times because when we want things to change and when we try things that are counter to our initial impulses, it's tough to suss out whether we're really doing what's truly the necessary discomfort of doing things in new ways or subjugating ourselves to other people's biases that won't ultimately match who we are. So when you're really like I am going to change, you are going to get people saying, great, here's how you do that. And when they do that, it will feel uncomfortable to do anything in a new way. And what's tricky, and I can't give you any exact metric on this, what's tricky is figuring out the difference between I am uncomfortable with what this person is telling me will be required of me to change, and it's uncomfortable but necessary, versus I'm uncomfortable And I'm subjugating myself to what they think I should be doing, which is a form of giving away your own power. So in other words, discernment will be required. If you are really interested in wanting things to change, do you really want change? Discernment will be required because there is no absolute and foolproof checklist that you can use that always works for knowing when this is the time to leap and the net will appear versus this is the time when someone told me to leap, told me there was a net and turns out there's no fucking net. And if you have ever taken a leap like that and been betrayed by someone who made false promises of what you could do or were capable of, I get it. I understand that the next time you are called upon to step outside your comfort zone 
and to trust that someone else's advice, suggestions, coaching, challenges, confronting with kindness are in your best interest, that that will be hard. It's hard for everyone. I've been through it. We've all been through it. So discernment is an important part of being a human and growing. No one gets out of the learning pains of discernment. You will misjudge it sometimes. What's important is to learn from those times rather than deciding that you're just never going to trust others or never trust yourself to try on things that are new and uncomfortable ever again. What's not as helpful is if the next time you enroll in a program or you want to do something to try to get outside of your comfort zone and then it's like, oh, that book, they're all wrong. or Oh, that person running the program, I'm going to challenge them on every single thing. Discernment is learned. You will make mistakes in that area sometimes, but do you learn from them is the important piece. That is... I really want to change. Wanting to be supported in the difficulties I'm facing is different. In this case, yeah, the yearning for change might be somewhere in there. But when somebody's really more in a place of wanting to be supported in the difficulty they're facing, they're not actually willing to change. And here's how you can always know whether someone's in one place or the other based on how they handle the feedback. I know it at least as a facilitator, somebody who's led programs for many years. If the person gets angry when people suggest things, angry, annoyed, frustrated, kind of like, oh my God, like an eye roll kind of a thing, whatever flavor of that or extreme of that it is, they don't want change. They want help with what they are feeling. So nowhere do I see this dynamic play out more often than on Facebook, (laughs) on Facebook. So I think we've all been this person and I think we've all seen this person. So lots of compassion, but it basically looks like this. Someone writes about a problem they are struggling with and all the language they use, all the words they're choosing, all of that indicates they do not want this problem anymore. They want things to change. They want feedback. They, they literally will say things like, what do I do about, or, oh, it drives me nuts when X, Y, Z thing happens, or, you know, it's so frustrating. I'm the type of person who is ABC kind of way, which means I can't have or do or be X, Y, Z. And it's just so frustrating that there's no solution. Now we're all different. Maybe you hear any of that and you think that that doesn't indicate that someone wants feedback, wants to change, da, da, da. But I'm here to share with you that it does. And why? Because it must be said, it's called social media for a reason. If you're ever airing your problems on social media and then you get irritated when people respond, offering their suggestions or solutions or thoughts on those problems, you're forgetting where you're posting. The generic names for these online platforms literally include the word social, meaning you aren't talking into a vacuum when you post something. So if you don't want people to weigh in on what you post, don't post it on social media. Language that lays out a frustrating problem and a hoped for solution 
is naturally going to invite people to suggest alternatives on social media. So examples of this abound. Let's say, for instance, you've tried every parenting trick in the book to get your kid to do something, or you have headaches that won't go away, or you really want to have more energy, but you don't. And you lay out all the things you've tried followed by, oh, so frustrating, or just, I just, I wish this would just stop or, you know, et cetera. Unless you explicitly say, I'm just needing a moment to vent here. I, I actually don't want any solutions or suggestions or feedback right now. Unless you do that, people are pretty naturally going to look at your list and suggest that whatever they've experienced that isn't on that list. Here's the parenting book I read, or here's the supplement I tried that cured my headaches, or here's the thing that gave me my energy back when all else fails. And when people start to do that, that's when you can tell whether the original poster really wants to change or if they just want some support for what they are going through. Part of the reason I started on this podcast episode is because I was watching some of these social media conversations unfold and it was very clear to me that the person who was posting, and I could be wrong, but it seemed very clear to me that the person who was posting was saying that they wanted something to change. But then as people began offering options and that person just began shooting them down like they're tin cans on a freaking fence and they got a little BB gun or something like, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. And getting progressively more irritated, by the way, as people were suggesting things that this person did not actually want to change. They don't want to change. They want support for where they're at. So when people really want to change, Other people's suggestions, ideas, thoughts, feedback arouse curiosity. When people really just want to be supported as they struggle, they get irritated with people's suggestions. Sometimes they even start to attack such suggestions. Now, it is not wrong to want to be supported as you struggle. I feel like if there's one sentence I've said on this podcast other than Courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. It's probably, hey guys, it is a really tough thing to be a human being. Like it just is. It's a really tough thing to be a human being. It is not wrong to want to be supported if you are struggling. Sometimes we all just want to vent, to be heard, to air our frustrations among what we hope is a supportive community. And that's great. Do seek support rather than isolating, please. That is actually a great use of social media, in my opinion. If you lay out the parameters and are clear with people, I'm posting this frustration right now for this reason, and I need insert ways the person takes ownership of the kind of support they're actually seeking. So if you are tired of spending hours trying to get your baby, toddler, young kids to go to sleep at night. And this has been going on for years and you are just like totally losing it because you're sleep deprived, but you are not willing to entertain the idea that you need to finally, finally, after all these years, try 
cry it out to get them to sleep or a new highly structured bedtime routine or melatonin gummies. Like, you know, there's a gazillion things to get kids to go to sleep. If you are not willing to try any of those things, but you're venting out all the things about how hard it all is, you're wanting support for your personal struggles with sleep deprivation, not help getting your kids to go to bed. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. It is worth looking at how you might be reinforcing unintentionally some of your own misery by not being willing to confront the situation with different approaches. You're the one not willing to try anything new in that example, if that's you. I'm just thinking of things I've seen because I've seen these Facebook posts. My kid won't sleep and da 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 And people are going, well, you know, like what I finally had to do was cry out. Well, I can't do that because she's just too sensitive or well, you know, a highly structured bedtime routine, you know, could be, well, I can't do that. He's not, not, not going to do structure. Well, you know, like melatonin gummies have always worked for us. Well, you know, I just, I just don't feel comfortable. Well, (laughs) as the suggestions pile up and the person gets more and more irritated, it's like, okay, what's really going on here? Do you want this situation to change? Because if you're not willing to entertain different approaches and you're not willing to try anything new, it's probably actually not that you want the situation to change in this moment. There might be a little bit of that, but you're, you're putting a lot more emphasis on keeping it the same, which indicates that you actually just want support for where you're at. And it's okay to not want to try something new. It is okay to just want to be in a place where you're hurting and you want to be held, just notice as you talk to people in your life about your problems, especially on social media, and ask yourself, what works best for me? Do I want to be held in this or am I actually seeking change now? And both are equally valid. I'll give another example I've seen before. Some kind of health issue. I'll pick headaches because they're relatively benign. So headaches that don't seem to resolve and You know, someone on social media suggests ditching gluten or sugar. I have seen people on social media post about their health issue that doesn't resolve and people pop in and say, here are the things I tried. And then the original poster a little bit later does this kind of passive aggressive new post separately that's something like, It's just so frustrating when I am just trying to talk about my headaches and um, they are brain-based and I have been to a neurologist who has said they are brain-based and I'm just so tired of people talking about gluten and dairy. It's like, that is, it's such a passive aggressive response and it is really shooting down the people who are trying to help you. You're actually wanting support for the fact that you are living with chronic pain, which I got to say fucking sucks. I'm so sorry to, I mean, chronic pain is the worst. I've been there, but let's call a thing a thing. Let's call it what it is. If that is the response that a person has, they are wanting support for the fact that they're living with chronic pain. They are not actually wanting to figure out how to eliminate the chronic pain. And it is worth looking at how, when we do these patterns, we've all done them. 
how we then reinforce some of our own misery by being unwilling to try a new approach. Or what I notice with health stuff is more common to angrily say, well, I tried that when really the person only tried it for like a week. A week is not enough time to see real results for just about anything. And especially not if a dietary change is involved, given what we know of the human microbiome. I, in another Another phase of my life struggled mightily with autoimmune issues, and I made some pretty significant dietary changes, and I have a number of people who I know for a fact I've told them. They, they said, they sought me out, what did you do? I want to do it too. They, I, I said, okay, here's what I did, and I check in later, how's it going? That just doesn't work for me, and I know for a fact they only tried it for a week, so... That person, they're, they're wanting support with, with where they're at. They're not actually wanting to change the situation. There might be some desire for change mixed in. I'm not saying it's absent. I'm not going into a binary of one or the other. I'm just saying there's a greater emphasis on being supported with where they're at, not necessarily on change. And it's okay. It's, it, it is okay to feel frustrated when you haven't yet found a solution for a health issue like headaches. It is okay also, by the way, to not want to try another freaking thing when you've already tried several. Like I said, I've been there with the autoimmune stuff where you try thing after thing after thing after thing and and you're trying to find the thing that's going to make the biggest difference for you. It's hard. And it is okay, by the way, to be hurting and want to be held. This is just about noticing. Do you actually really want it to change Or do you just want to be held with where you are? Both are equally valid. I'll give one more example of this. If you are tired of lacking energy and someone suggests a certain type of exercise, or I've even seen this happen before. You guys, I just, I really need some exercise that I can stick to. What do you guys all do for, for exercise? Because maybe I could do that too. And people come in with their Iyengar yoga and their Zumba and their CrossFit and their HIIT HIT uh, intervals and all, you know, and all that stuff. I, I do hiking and this and this and somebody starts going, well, I don't live anywhere near where you could hike. Well, you know, I mean, but CrossFit's too expensive for me. Well, but you know, that would involve stretching and I'm just not limber. Like they just start it. Like I said, I can just see it now, like a, a fence with tin cans on it and somebody's taking their shot like ping. Nope. Not that one. Ping. Nope. Not that one. And sometimes even getting irritated with the person for suggesting it. Like, how dare you even suggest this thing that is clearly out of reach for me financially, that is clearly, I have mobility issues that prohibit me from that type of exercise. How dare you suggest it? It's like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. You were the one who opened it up (laughs) for the suggestions. You were the one who opened this Pandora's box. Just notice what's coming up. Ask yourself if it's working for you. Is it working for you to define your life by the thing that you cannot do? Is it working for you to declare that you can never ever do XYZ type of exercise, even with a modification, even with help, even if there was an online program that was cheaper than the other online programs, even if somebody loaned you their equipment, even if it's like, is it working for you? 
to state so definitively that circumstances just make it unattainable. I'm going to cut it off. It's just not possible. I'm not saying that there are never circumcised, I almost said circumcised. (laughs) That's a circumstance. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm not saying that there are circumstances that prevent people from having access, from being able. I'm saying that what I observe is people throw the baby out with the bathwater. They go, well, I can't do a piece of it or it's hard or whatever. So I'm cutting it off. And my question is, is that working for you? You get to decide what works best for you always. And just notice that how you respond to possibility will dictate a lot about what unfolds for you next. How you define what is available to you will limit or open up options. Now I'll share a little bit more. I said it already for many years, I struggled with the symptoms of an active autoimmune diagnosis. I had one point where I was in a motorized scooter for several months due to a bone that had been dislocated in my foot. I could not walk. I had to have ADA accommodations. I saw how difficult that is. I have been in spaces where I have had no money. I have, I mean, I'll give a couple examples as we go on here, but I just really feel like it's important to share that those things were difficult and debilitating both mentally and physically. I too tried, you know, hashtag all the things and arrived at some dead ends. I too felt the frustration of someone suggesting that I should just try XYZ herb or supplement or exercise diet practitioner, consultant, whatever. And this happened both in casual conversation and online. And I too needed to learn that if I aired my stuff on social media, I was going to get responses. So this podcast episode, it's not, I see this happen most often on Facebook, but I'm asking you to consider when you talk about your problems with anybody, are you actually really wanting to change or are you just wanting support with where you're at? Because at the same time that I've, I would feel frustrated sometimes by the suggestions or averse to the responses people gave me, I did always know that people were only suggesting things because they're trying to be helpful. And I recognize that basic human goodness. No one's waking up in the morning thinking, let me throw a lot of overwhelming suggestions at somebody today. People are only ever trying to help. But at some point it occurred to me with the autoimmune stuff that if I truly wanted to find a way out of my symptoms, it was worth it to me to try every possible solution that was ever offered because to me, for myself, if I wasn't willing to truly try and give it a shot, then I wasn't actually invested in changing. Not really, not fully. And that got me to thinking about opening myself up and being more receptive to feedback in other areas beyond the physical symptoms. And that's where I got to thinking about what are the other stuff that I, I complain about in my life or that I really feel stuck in or that I'm really struggling with? And where do I sometimes keep myself there because I say I want to change, but I'm not actually really like, yeah, let's change. So again, it was seeing some things open up around the autoimmune stuff that I used to deal with and seeing that change when I got really 
invested in. Nope, I'm not just talking about this anymore. I don't care how many things I need to try. I'm going to I'm gonna keep trying things until I find the thing. And I found the thing. It's pretty good. But that got me to thinking about, okay, where else in my life do I do this? Where else in my life do I do this thing where I think I'm talking about change, but actually I'm not really open to change. So one thing that, that came up that I started to examine was I was... I had a tendency to repeat some of the same hiring mistakes when I was hiring for a role in my company and what feedback or suggestions did I need? So I started opening this up and I started looking at, okay, like there was a time when I stuck to only using contractors who were able to navigate Photoshop for years. And that drastically limited who I could hire or how fast work was accomplished before I finally, finally, based on going, okay, I'm really going to have to change here if I'm going to want something to be different. I finally opened up to Canva, which is, by the way, amazing. Uh, think about other, where was I chronically frustrated in my, my marriage relationship? And it was like for a long time, not, maybe not a long time. There was a good period where my then boyfriend, now husband said, I think we need to see a couple's counselor. And then there was a period where we went to a couple's counselor and I wasn't using the tools. And then I was like, okay, (laughs) this chronic frustration thing that I keep dealing with it. Maybe it's like time to actually use the tools and suggestions offered by the couple's counselor. And then that got me thinking too about in what ways do we reject change because we define ourselves as a certain type of person? That's pretty common. Well, I, I'm just, I, that's just not, I'm just too introverted for that. Well, that's just, you know, that I'm, I'm a type whatever on the Enneagram. So I just really, da, da, da. well, no, I mean, I'm not the type of person who's comfortable with marketing. I'm just not a morning person. You know, all these things that we tell ourselves, they're just a few examples that come to mind where I know that for myself, I, I used to use the I'm XYZ type of person as a reason why I couldn't do something or wouldn't be comfortable doing something, or why something wasn't right for me. And just with some of those examples, none of them have borne out to be true. You can actually get pretty comfortable with just about anything. And even if you are born with certain tendencies, think about it for a moment. We are all born with certain tendencies, but if it really was truly impossible to function Unless you had your unique tendencies, blueprint, genetics, circumstances, all of that met, the human race would die out. Like, let's just be real here. Tendencies and preferences are great when we can make them happen that way. But that ain't life. So ask yourself, where do I do this? Where do I cut off possible solutions to the problems I face? Where do I cut off possible solutions to the problems I face? Where do I do this? Ask yourself this now. Think of any problem you have. Where do I cut off possible solutions? I don't want to hear it. It irritates me when my partner suggests it. I don't like that that person said it. I'm frustrated because that resource isn't easily accessible to me. So I cut it off and assume that it never will be. Where do I cut off possible solutions to the problems I face? 
Another example of this is, I think in our culture, we get really fixated on the limitations of a diagnosis. And I encourage people to think more critically about what they might be able to create for themselves. We still don't know a lot about the brain, but there are two things we do know about the brain. One, that we don't know a lot about the brain. This is one of the definitive things that we know. One of the definitive things we know about the brain is that we don't know a lot about the brain. And two, that it is plastic. In other words, flexible. In other words, this idea that you're a certain type of person is scientifically proven to be incorrect. Yes, there are certain tendencies people will have, certain preferences, but preferences can change. They are not locked in. You are not locked in regardless of the situation. And I think there are a lot of circumstances where we can question all the limitations that are inherent even when something is what we're born with. So for instance, in ADHD and other processing issues, Yes, if you put someone who has ADHD into an MRI machine, there are certain plaques that they will find on certain parts of the brain, in some cases, not all. Um, So yes, there will be some challenges in that area around processing. There are processing issues that can come up. But they found, and I will, in the the blog post for this uh, podcast episode on yourcourageouslife.com, I will link to this. Um, There's an article that I found pretty easily from the CDC talking about ADHD and behavior therapy, that ADHD can respond well to behavior therapy. This tells us something. It tells us that when sustained and a supportive attention is placed on changing something such as a behavior, even when that behavior has a biological or biochemical or genetic root, change can happen. Even in cases where someone is diagnosed with a neurocognitive processing issue like dementia, science is continuing to discover more ways about how to reverse the effects. Like they're identifying certain proteins that lead to dementia, certain gene therapies that can reverse its effects. I was definitively told when I was trying to get pregnant that my body had stopped making eggs. This was after months of testing, tests that were repeated, multiple types of tests, assessing multiple types of markers. Your body has stopped making eggs. Well, I got a six-year-old right now who's running around downstairs and I can hear her. I'm sorry if you can too, somewhere in the background of this, but... Turns out my body had not stopped making eggs. So even when there is some kind of a scientific basis of this is the diagnosis, I think it is power empowering when people question it. When people say, this is what we currently understand to be the limitations of this diagnosis. It is not necessarily what will define the situation. The field of epigenetics is particularly fascinating. Epigenetics are when genes turn themselves on or off. And science is finding that for some people, genes only express under certain just right conditions. So we're learning more all the time about what those conditions are to get things to express or to stop expressing. 
So again, the point of this podcast episode is to really put it to you. Do you really want to change or do you actually not so much want to change as much as you want support for where you're at? Are you batting away possible solutions to the problems that you face? And I bring up some of the examples of dementia, for instance, just to put it in everybody's mind. These things are not fixed. What we know as of me recording this right now is not what we will necessarily know five years from now or 20 years from now or even five months from now. Who knows? So why do we do this, by the way? Why do we say we want change when actually kind of a part of us is more invested in like, eh, I'm just going to like, <laughs> don't really like it when people present to me that in fact change is possible. I think that we cut ourselves off from solutions like this for two reasons. One is that we confuse comfort seeking with solution seeking and vice versa without realizing it. We confuse comfort seeking with solution seeking without realizing it. We get ourselves confused about what it is we truly want. And part of us does want both. The part of us that wants to be heard and held sometimes gets confused or doesn't know how to use the words to express what it truly longs for. The other theory I have about why we cut ourselves off from solutions is that we don't want to re-experience the pain we've felt before when we tried something that didn't work out. I'm going to say that one more time. It's just a theory, and you might listen to it and go, eh, doesn't apply to me. Okay. (laughs) In the theme of this podcast episode, that is worth looking at. So I have a theory that one of the reasons why we cut ourselves off from solutions is that we don't want to re-experience the pain we felt before when we tried something that didn't work out. So it becomes easier to get angry at people who have made it past the parenting hell of sleep deprivation than to keep trying more things that might not work out and feel that disappointment. It becomes easier to get angry at people who have found a solution for their chronic headaches or having no energy than to keep getting your hopes up, trying more things that might not work out. Each time something doesn't work out, it freshens our hurt or despair. It feels like something of a betrayal. We feel kind of stupid for having hoped for something different. And then subconsciously, I think we tell ourselves, I'm never going to try that again. Too painful. And the anger, I think, is a response to our own pain and a feeling of unfairness that someone else has found a solution that feels out of our own grasp. Now, again, there's no part of me that's saying you have to get over the pain you're feeling or this tired old self-help thing. Just take self-responsibility for your life and that's it. I'm all about self-responsibility, but self-responsibility is nuanced. And I've, I've highlighted several options in this, like changing up your parenting techniques or your diet or a certain kind of exercise. And I'm, I'm not pushing those ideas specifically. Those are just examples of different suggestions people frequently offer when somebody says, hey, I'm struggling with parenting. Hey, I'm struggling with my health. And I'm just highlighting those for the purpose of these examples. So what works for one person does not work for another or truly is not attainable for another. I understand that. What I'm trying to say is 
I think it's powerful to be really aware of what your true motivations are. What is it that you're really getting at when you talk about your problems? What is it that you're really wanting, yearning for, craving? When I was struggling with the symptoms of an autoimmune disease, there were plenty of things I tried that did not work, and I needed to cry and be held when I experienced that disappointment or woke up feeling exhausted even though I'd slept 10 hours. I mean, there were other times where I really needed to muster up all my courage and decide to try XYZ new thing, even if I felt resistant to it, even if I felt afraid that it would not work. And to my surprise, several things that I have implemented into my life actually have worked. And after years of being symptomatic, I no longer am. I have not been symptomatic for quite some time. Um, at this time, I won't go into what created those health shifts for me. I mean, I guess if a bunch of you who have struggled with autoimmune stuff are like, Kate, 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 no, really tell us. I would, while also, of course, always a disclaimer with anything that is ever said on a podcast, do not take your advice from podcasts or people on the internet, talk to your doctor, you know, check in with yourself, all that good stuff. Um, but I will share that the things that I did end up doing were things that I was always aware of, but completely unwilling to try for literally years, years. I'm saying to you right now that for years, I knew that these things that I could try could profoundly shift my health, but I discounted them from the get-go as too extreme. I was like, no, it's too extreme. No, it's too extreme. Or I said I wasn't strong enough. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just not strong enough to like do that kind of a thing. Like that's just not, no. Or, well, I'm just not the type of person who would do those things. So I would never say also, by the way, I feel like you have to be very, 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 very clear about what you are and are not saying. In saying that about myself and my experience, I am not projecting anything onto you. And I do not believe that someone with an autoimmune disease brought it on themselves. But I will take ownership over my own response that for years I was aware of these options, yet not utilizing them, even sometimes getting pissed off at people suggesting them. And that decision to push those things away, that fence line with the tin cans and just you know, getting it away. Nope. Not taking that suggestion. Nope. That's too much for me. Nope. That's not the type of person I am. Nope. 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 It prolonged the health issues I was facing for years. And frankly, I wish I could say that this was not true, but I unfortunately can say the same thing about different shifts I've made over the years to grow my business or to improve my marriage and a host of other things. I was aware of the solutions I just was not willing to do them. I told everyone who would listen to me talk that I was willing to do them. I wrung my fists. I cried. I'm just, why, 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 why am I struggling? I said I was willing to change them. But when I look at the, the situation in hindsight, I go, no. I was not actually really wanting to change. What I wanted was to stay where I was and get comfort for the pain I was experiencing where I was. So... The mindset shift that I stepped into and and that I encourage is getting really real and honest and going, 
you know, someone somewhere has made this same shift that I'm wanting to make. Why not me too? Why not try? Why not go beyond just talking about living from a place of possibility and courage and get into actually living from that place? Why not get gritty and ferocious and determined and unwavering like I'm doing this? You know, at least trying and living from that place would be a better expression of how I want to live in the world. For me, I, I knew, this is me, take what you like, leave the rest. I knew I was truly wanting to change when every single option was on the table and up for consideration. No option would be discounted, no offer of help refused, not one. I knew what results I would get if I continued to insist that certain factors were hopelessly beyond my control. I get the same thing I'd always been getting. So, do you really want to change? This thing you say you want to be different in your life, do you really want to change? Or are you really right now just wanting support for what you're struggling with? They are related, but if what you're after, what you're really after is support, I want you to get that support. So start speaking into your desire for support and be clear that you're not open to suggestions right now. Start getting open and honest about what it is that you really need. Let yourself be heard and supported and held. Bask in that. You are not wrong. Just know that the desire to change, the true willingness to change, will bring with it the willingness to try anything. The willingness to open yourself up to possibilities that seem impossible. The willingness to decide to get downright fucking ferocious in your pursuit of what you need in order to thrive. There will be discomfort. There will be mistakes. There will be things you try that are just detours. Life cannot offer you a guarantee. But if you take it on as a quest that you'll never give up on, until you find where you're hoping to land. I feel pretty sure that you'll find some gems even amid the detours. The journey itself will not be for nothing. You'll grow your courage and your resilience along the way. All right, that's today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You know you can continue the work and the fun if you want to. Head on over to yourcourageouslife.com forward slash begin and become a Your Courageous Life subscriber because as soon as you sign up, you get access to an entire library of worksheets and audios and other bonuses. And of course, you'll be receiving more courage in your inbox and who wouldn't love that? You can learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification at teamclcc.com. You can get the Courage Habit at your local bookseller, on Amazon, wherever you like. We can even connect on social media. I'm on Facebook at Your Courageous Life. So look for facebook.com forward slash Your Courageous Life. And I'm on Instagram as Kate Courageous. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. So here's to you using these courageous tools in your life and creating a real ripple effect of good. And again, thanks so much for listening. I love it that you're here.